Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another brutally gruesome edition of Lockdown Hot Takes. I'm your Lodge Master. With me as always is Brother Bishki. Violence. Brother Lucas. Oh, I'm so tired of quarantining and winning. <laughs> and tonight we have two of the best of the best and the tops of the tops of the gurus of the Lodge. It is Brother Dave. Tonight I'll possess your soul. And Brother Ben. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my God. What did we get into this time? <laughs> the, movie, the movie is called Possessor. Possessor. It is by Cronenberg. It's a Cronenberg film, but not David Cronenberg. Uh, uh, uh. That's the body horror <laughs> twist. This isn't your grandpa's Cronenberg movie. No, this is a Brandon Cronenberg movie. <laughs> the son of the father comes to wrestle the mantle from him mm-hmm. in the body horror department. He and Chet Hanks have to make a movie together. Like, <laughs> oh. like some kind of like maniac cop, mall cop, oh, maniac mall cop. Oh my God. That's a whole different podcast. We could go into that. But first off, this is my first Brandon Cronenberg joint. I think he's made another Same. feature Same. called Antiviral. Did anybody see that one? No. I, I saw it. Brother Dave. Yeah. What was your uh, feelings about Brandon Cronenberg going into Possessor at this time? I, I should preface it by just saying that his father, David Cronenberg, is probably in my top five filmmakers of all time. Okay. So yeah. I, I'm a David Cronenberg fanatic and um of course when i heard his son was a filmmaker and he was also a horror filmmaker i was super interested so i saw antiviral and it was boring oh shit um you know like the aesthetic was gorgeous and i loved the vibe of it and the lead actor i think his name's caleb landry jones he's phenomenal and like the ideas are kind of cool and interesting and out there just like an early david Cronenberg movie but like the pacing was so sluggish and the tone was so serious that uh, it, it didn't quite work for me. There was enough good stuff that I was I was excited for Possessor, especially when sure. I heard it, it was getting a lot of good reviews. Um, but yeah, antiviral is eh, it was middling. Okay, so you you had some reserved optimism rolling into this one. That's accurate. My whole life is reserved optimism. <laughs> It's a good way to be. And Brother Ben, is this your first uh, BC joint? It was. um, When Antiviral came out, I had just gotten over some uh, of my own medical issues. So I remember starting it. Yeah. And uh, and like father, like son, about 10 minutes in being like, yeah, can't do this. (laughs) Can't, can't do this. <laughs> nope, yeah. nope, nope. Yeah. You, you noped so, out. You noped uh, out. I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. So bailed on that. <laughs> but you were ready for this. You were Absolutely. ready to greet this with, with open arms and to hear what uh, David Cronenberg's brood had to say, so to speak. Absolutely. This movie begins with a title screen telling us that this is the uncut version of Possessor. Possessor uncut. And we're all hardened enough 
to kind of scoff at a screen like that. Like, okay, great. We're going to get a couple more seconds of shit we can handle easily standing on our heads. No, this movie is unfucking cut. Like, if ever there was a movie that wouldn't have passed the MPAA yeah. in any in any metric, <laughs> this, this is it. So yeah, we're in like we're in like Paul Verhoeven, Gaspar No level uh, oh. ter- ter- violence territory. Mm-hmm. Take that seriously and heed caution as you tiptoe into this world. Bow down. So. We are back in the realm of like 15 production company logos before the movie, which is a comfort. It's it's kind of like comforting in, at this point. It's almost nostalgic for the beginning of quarantine when we started really getting hit with these super long trains of production companies you've never heard of. That's when you're going to get a singular vision. Yeah, which after you've seen the movie, it's all the more amazing that this many people in these many companies signed off on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's that's a miracle. You know, one of them was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I signed off on the cut version of Possessor, not this. <laughs> right. <cut shit." laughs> well, and, and it's all Canadian enterprises. So maybe that has something to do with it. The freedom. Someone's tax money went to Possessor Uncut for sure. Absolutely. Financed by a collective of Canadian comic book shops. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all been bursting at the seams to talk about this. And the only text I've really gotten is from Brother Dave. And he said, I can't wait till you describe this concisely and cleanly on the Uh Lodgecast. So I'm going to do my best. This movie overall is technically quote-unquote about a shadowy company that jacks hitmen into unsuspecting people's minds to carry out murders usually for financial benefit of corporate espionage yes shadowy corporation that's what it's technically about like the meth-headed cousin of inception La Femme Nikita meets Avatar. (laughs) Yes. La Femme Navi. Yeah. So we're plunged right into this world. Like the first shot of the movie is an electronic jack going into the top of this woman's head with like a gushy, squishy, bloody squirt. Very analog. Very Johnny Mnemonic uh, centric. And... We see this woman walk through this nightclub. She's like a hostess at a nightclub. She just turns to this dude who's standing at the bar and then proceeds to stab him with a brutality that triples Goodfellas. Because that's like the gold standard of like realistic jabby, <laughs> stabby cas- casino, brutality. Yeah, the neck, the pen in the neck and casino. It's like an extended reel yes. of that where if they had like a 10 minute mag be like let it just roll just keep stabbing like just <laughs> nope keep rolling like keep keep rolling yeah. yeah more more yeah no don't don't no no don't stop stabbing yep yep we still got some more stabs it was a penetration of flesh <laughs> it absolutely Indeed. was i didn't count but it felt like 20 to 30 times like it was just yeah oh easily this is one of the most brutal stabbings i've ever seen on film until later in this movie Uh later in this very movie 
I have to admit up front that that moment and other moments peppered throughout the experience, I had to avert my eyes. I had to look away because it was it was like just so visceral and raw and it is and, so nasty and and didn't it was merciless it didn't hold back like it so definitely Lucas saw the cut version because he closed his eyes <laughs> <laughs> like a weenie yeah he was self-censoring ben did you bat an eyelash during any of that or is this par for the course for you uh it felt very uh, well we had just watched robocop uh, sure, X-rated sure. RoboCop. Um, yep. and so, yeah, good, and good base. That's a good base. Well, no, and it's like Lucas <laughs> said. It reminded me very much of a Verhoeven, like yes, yeah, yeah. gleefully unrestrained violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so our main character is Andrea Riseborough from uh, Mandy, who played the titular Mandy. She she plays Tasia Voss and. <laughs> She is the one that is possessing. She's a possessor, possessing yeah. these minds and making these kills. And Jennifer Jason Lee is kind of running the show, getting her mentally prepped, checking her out, surveying her VR setup. <laughs> and it seems like her character is on loan from Annihilation. She's got this same like mumbly, grumbly persona and it's the, it's, it's the truck stop waitress <laughs> mode yeah. like what is that is she is she even putting in any work in this performance i, like, I feel what like do you guys she think? i feel like she went to prison for something we don't know about and got released <laughs> <laughs> and she's like an actual ex-con and in, in sag something like happened sag after being uh, married to noah bombach maybe that's what did it she got bombacked like something's <laughs> happened where it's just it's purely just you know she she is Marty McFly's mom in the beginning of the original where she's like your uncle yeah. Joey didn't get paroled again. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's like way too apt, but that's exactly what she's doing. <laughs> and you pretty much immediately get just a sex soaked vibe from this movie. There's not a lot of sex in it, but everything is very sexual and disturbingly so. Like we follow Tasia home to her family, her estranged husband, and they're having sex. And she's thinking about that knife penetrating that neck in a very gory sexual way. And it just puts you in this zone. It's a Cronenbergian zone for sure, where anything that's sensual also has a dark edge to it that's kind of nauseating. I feel like his father's his muse and he's like playing to the audience of his dad because it it feels so on Without brand. Like so on brand. It's like, wow, he just gets it. Like, why not? Like, why not have yeah, movies like in the same wheelhouse? Because I'm sure it just makes it that much easier to get it made, or maybe not. I don't know. Cause it seems like there was a long gap between antiviral and this. So maybe it is. a struggle. His dad is his direct target audience for this. I could just imagine him with the biggest smile on his face through and through watching it from soup to nuts. And his dad's fans. I mean, it's aimed at Cronenberg fans. Like, and it's just, without a doubt, it's actually a little bit comforting because like David seemingly has potentially retired. And I, I, I don't know. There was something it's like seeing a new Cronenberg movie. I mean, it's yeah, still his own. It really Brandon is. is still his own man, but it's still a very David picture. He's taken the blood-soaked torch and run with it, definitely. 
So Tasia Voss, I'll just call her Voss. Voss's next mission is to jack into this dude's brain, Christopher Abbott from Girls. He's kind of like Kit Harrington, right? Like I keep getting yes. those guys mixed up. He's like he's like Kit Harrington with like a touch more gravitas, and he plays Colin Tate, who is dating the daughter of the CEO of this huge corporation. But her mission is to go into his mind and kill the head of the company, kill the daughter, and then kill himself. And then all of the company control will somehow fall under this shadow assassin corporation. Can we also talk about, though, the killing of oneself is like it's a very specific uh part of the deal or, or process yes. or whatever to get unplugged from the matrix. It's like you have to put the gun in your mouth or you have to like suicide by cop, like the stabby stab in the opening. Like she, she gets blasted by a bunch of cops and it's, it's violent. Like, it's just like, Whoa, that's a yeah. real stark way to come down before, before these assassins die. They usually are putting a gun in their mouth or putting a gun to their head and they say, pull me out, pull me out. And then that's the sign for grumpy Jennifer Jason Lee to pull the plug or whatever. <laughs> but this transfer into this Colin Tate fellow brings the first of many motherfucking salad dragons. So this movie, it's... You can tell it's lovingly crafted. How, okay, so Brother Dave, how would you explain to to someone who hasn't seen this movie what happens visually when Voss goes into Tate's mind? I mean, it's like eating bad mushrooms and having a horrible trip where you're, where the two bodies are like physically melting into each other. It actually a couple of times reminded me of the movie society during the shunting yes. scene where, where flesh yes. is just melting into flesh. And uh, it's almost like a, a weird orgy that, that bleeds Dolly esque into each other. I mean, that's, that's pretty much right on it. It almost looks when their heads and faces are joined together, it has this charming paper mache quality to it. That just it feels like there's a lot of handmade shit going on in this, which in this day and age scores major points wherever you may roam. I got a little uh, subtle Ingmar Bergman's persona flavor at times with the way it would like uh, the editing. I think the way it would cut back and forth between the personalities merging into one. There's a lot of music video influence, but definitely like practical effects. I, I couldn't really tell necessarily where the CG was. And where the practical right. effects were, so, like, were, and that's like, perfect. And that's so that's where you want to be. Yeah, that's a perfect spot to be. Um, and a lot of melting flesh, and then melting backwards. Nineties, like nineties, <laughs> uh, Aphex Twin, like Chris Cunningham. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, his father taught him well. So now she's inside of his body, so to speak, and she's trying to be him. And we follow him to his job at this huge corporation. And his job <laughs> is to put on virtual glasses and basically eavesdrop on the devices of just random people out there that, who are using their phones to record all manner of things. 
And his job is to look at what kind of drapes and blinds and curtains that they have to report back to the company what people's tastes are. It, it, it's unclear as to what to what end this is. Pretty menial job for the son-in-law of a corporation, but um, yeah, there's there's bad blood between the kid and the the old man too. So we see him watching these just unguarded moments of people having FaceTime conversations with their grandma, people having sex and making sex videos. And he's zooming in on the, (laughs) on the blinds and the curtains. Like that shit is beautiful. And that could have been a whole movie. That's just like a thimble drop of side candy in this movie. Which is so Cronenbergian too, though, because I feel like, <laughs> like, like in the fly, in the fly, you're getting these like little glimpses of like David Cronenberg's attitude towards like magazine publishing. And you don't yes. really get, it's just like a little aside. And so here's Brandon Cronenberg sort of riffing on data mining and surveillance yeah. state. I felt like I was in a Philip K. Dick novel at that point. Yeah, sure. But but they don't follow through with it. So it just it ends up making the movie seem and the world it's building seem that much more full, I feel. Because Texture. it's just like that's that's just what that's just what this guy does for a job. We're not we're not gonna make a mystery out of it. He's not gonna witness a murder through his job. It's just another little thing. Another interesting beat that I don't want to gloss over is the fact that this all sounds very futuristic, and it is, yet they don't have smartphones. They have, like, 2008 cell phones. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of near-future Toronto, but it's kind of a mix of old technology and new technology, which was interesting. And everybody seems to be vaping. There's so much vaping in this movie, which charmed the shit out of me. Like, (laughs) you see extras on the street, everybody's puffing a vape. (laughs) And something about that seems both futuristic and already dated. And (laughs) I don't know, it just feels right. Feels very Canadian to me. So it definitely had the Toronto aesthetic. Listen. There's a few dragons in this. This this is a veritable dragon's nest. So I got to invoke a second dragon. Double dragon. This second dragon is a very manhunter blue lit sex scene between Tate with Voss in his mind and his girlfriend. And we see a bunch of hallucinatory flashes while they're making love. And... At a certain point, he's sitting up, kind of up and thrusting. We see him turn into Voss. So now Voss is in the bed thrusting. It tilts down to show her naked breasts. And then it keeps moving past her breasts and shows a big erect penis between her legs, suggesting that this new flesh meld has finally fully taken form <laughs> and that's uncut possessive that that's the kind of shit you're only going to get in the uncut version what did you guys think of salad dragon number two i i, I loved it <laughs> i loved it speechless I, I, I just and and um it just made me think like it instantly made me think of this uh, i don't remember what her name is she's a, a trans film critic and she was just talking mm-hmm. about how like so oftentimes like the quote-unquote big trans movies are pieces of garbage that don't speak to actual trans people, but something Mm. like under the skin um, can really sort of clue a cis audience into what 
the trans experience is like. And, and just sure. that flashed into my mind where it was like just questioning gender identity and all of this stuff. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting subtext. But it's very matter of fact and like confident and like, yeah, it doesn't dwell on it. It's just like, this is, this is what's going down right now. Check it out. <laughs> I yeah. wasn't sure though, if it was intended to be like scary or gross or horrific. So I didn't know if, you know, uh, I didn't know the intent of the scene uh, based on what it was accomplishing in the plot, you know? So I, I really didn't know what to make of it. I was, I was just like, well, that's interesting. It's a choice, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I felt the same way, Brother Dave. Yeah, I was kind of just like, mm -hmm. well, it's it's just another way, you know, they've been showing paper mache face melds and all this other shit. It's just one more way to show that the lines of reality are blurring and they are, you know, they're becoming one and who's in control and all that shit. So I appreciated the audaciousness of it. For sure. And like, you know, showing the whole thing in and the way it was revealed was unexpected because I believe like the music was uh, like kind of scary, intense music. And it was like a spiraling out of control sequence. So I didn't know if that was supposed to be <laughs> yeah. like the shocking horror is that like the chick has a dick. I think it's going to be all things for all viewers. You know, Most it's likely. like whatever, whatever you bring to it, it works. So. Sean Bean shows up on the on the scene, and of course he's the head of the corporation that this guy has to kill. You know Sean Bean's reputation is that any role that he appears in, he will die. And it's almost like Brandon Cronenberg knew that and was like, okay, you've died before, but now you're really going <laughs> to fucking die. And I mean, holy shit. This has got to be the triple dragon. One, two, three, three. What does Mr. Bean even get killed with? Is it a fireplace poker? Like, yeah, what, I thought, what is I thought the, it was a fire poker. Yeah, that's fire what I poker. Thought. Yeah. Shout out to the fans of the staircase. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> are, are we sure he died, though? Because oh, he I, didn't die. He didn't he, die. No, he, he didn't, didn't die. die. Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's a good point. But by God, he should have. But he it damn is, it near is died. He died for me in that scene. I was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. there's no way a human yeah. being survives this. <clears throat> period. And it's it's suggested later that maybe you know maybe he got popped or he's being possessed or something. But in this scene, he gets attacked with this fireplace poker. It. <sighs> He's beaten to the ground, white tile kitchen, blood all over the place. And then as a coup de gras, as a coup de gross, the fire poker is jammed through his mouth and then twisted and then crowbarred Jack to the side so that his teeth are removed and crunched to the side. And you get a nice, nice, squishy close up. You see all of this. My eyes in were closed. Vivid, my eyes were closed. Vivid detail, and then it goes through his eye. Bishki, what were you doing? Oh, you eyes were closed. You have eye my problems. Eye, my eyes were closed, dude. I I missed. <laughs> I honestly missed the the second half of that description because I was looking away, but I could hear all those aforementioned sounds. Like, oh, you, you guys didn't even look. My oh, God. 
and 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 then later when he like shuffles over to his his girlfriend, but it's it's like you know Andrea Riceboro possessing him, and and she's like wounded, and he's just standing over her, and she like knows so she's nasty. gonna fuck, fucking die before he shoots her in the back of the head. It's like oh, it's so gnarly. This reminds me of there. There was some interview David Cronenberg gave for one of his movies. I forget if it was Eastern Promises or something earlier even where he was talking about violence in movies and his whole philosophy was that like, it shouldn't be enjoyable. It should be disturbing and it should make you flinch and it should make you ill just like violence in real life should. And I guess the apple didn't fall far from the tree. In Mission that. accomplished. Mission accomplished. That's a good point because we're so desensitized now Oh my! God. in order to be disturbed enough to close your eyes like a little baby you have to <laughs> you have to push it to these extremes. Oh. Yeah. You got to go beyond NC-17. Like, oh. yeah. Sean Bean's beatdown in this is oh. so fucking extreme. It's beyond. We can't oh. underline it enough with red marker. Pornographic. Extreme, folks. Like erotic, <laughs> yes. like sexual death. That's gnarly. Shit stays gnarly in this movie from here on out. Voss kind of becomes the dominant force in this guy's mind. It's kind of a back and forth. He's he's struggling to get back control, but is is unsuccessful. He removes his own chip out of his head and is flooded with memories of all the grisly things he's done. And <laughs> he's walking down the street like freaking the fuck out as he's making all these realizations. He doesn't know what's going on. Everybody's vaping all around him <laughs> on the street. <laughs> Truth. Some shit goes down. There's a, a little plot twist. And then, you guys, we got a fourth dragon in this. I couldn't Quad, believe it. Qu but quadruple dragon? I think Tyler Perry hit that many at one point. Maybe, but this is the first official fourth dragon. Four dragons. So Tate is in this hypnotic state. We don't know if it's real or if it's a hallucination, but he's strangling the shit out of Voss and <laughs> his hands move over her face and her face just kind of crunches and rubberizes. And then he applies her face to his. So he's like wearing a mask of her and you can't explain how amazing this looks. <laughs> so he's wearing her face and we're flashing back to all of her scenes in the movie. But now it's him with her face on his face, including the sex scene with her estranged husband, which they move from his thrusting back. And we see it's her masked face making love to him, which, God, I just I chef's kissed right then by myself watching this. <laughs> what did you guys think of that sequence? I can't remember where, I mean, the last maybe 20 minutes are just kind of a hallucination. Like there's, <laughs> yes. there's like two more brutal kills in the guy's brutal. apartment. That's in the guy's apartment. And then he goes back to Voss's house <laughs> And that sets up. I mean, I don't know. Is that a drag? I mean, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst think, stabbing I, I've ever seen. I think it's a fifth dragon. How it feels to chew five dragons. Stimulate your senses. It is a meat cleaver kill, 
that like triples the brutality of the first kill in this movie that we said was the most brutal stabbing <laughs> we'd ever seen. What? Like, <laughs> I didn't think they had any left. Oh, but they had one th- one trump card to play. The they did. The biggest taboo in cinema. He's done meat cleaving this poor dude. And then, plot <laughs> twist, Jennifer Jason Lee jumps into her young son, a, a boy of about 10 years old. He stabs Tate in the neck, much like the first stab. And he... Blows the kid's head off basically with his gun, and you see it on camera. On yeah, camera, yeah. you see all of it. The, this movie doesn't shy away from anything. Un fucking cut. cut, Lucas. Did you? Were you with it at that point, or did you do your <laughs> I, no I, no I, kids I, killed? Yeah, I was gone, man. I was so gone. I was like <laughs> under my coffee table, like holding up my pizza box, like, please stop eating yes. me. Like, I'm sorry. I'll go to church. I'll pray. What an amazing taxi driver to the nth degree ending. And it has a nice, I thought it had a nice little coda, where which comes full circle to Voss's uh, interview. And then we're out. No one can be the same after seeing this. Like, I truly believe that this movie is going to give people trauma. Like, if you don't know what you're getting into and you're not like your loins aren't girded as fuck, <laughs> you're going to you're going to have PTSD from this. I swear it. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife wasn't psyched about <laughs> the experience. Yeah. Did she make it all the way through? She did. And she mm. she oh, wow. acknowledged an appreciation for the movie, but uh, yeah, like you said, if, if you're not prepared, there is no preparation done. It's like a bear attack, you know, if it's if it's <laughs> black, fight back, if it's brown, lie down, and if it's white, say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's get to these possessed bones. Oh my god. All right. What? Oh, I have no I have no clue where these bones are going to be. I love this. Okay. Let's start off. Let's start out with Brother Dave. I think I know where he's going. So, let's let's get that out of the way. All right. Well, I will say, you know, being a huge fan of David Cronenberg, but not so hot on antiviral, I was like you said cautiously optimistic about this one. And went into it and, you know, I was a little thrown by the mix of genres. You know, uh, I wasn't anticipating it's like an assassination thriller. It's a science fiction movie. It's a gory body horror movie. And in the end, you know, I, I had some issues with the way everything actually ended up <laughs> melting together, as it were. Ooh, but, yeah. But uh, I was entertained throughout and it was thought provoking enough and unique enough that I'm dropping three bones on possessor. That's about in the ballpark of what I imagined from you. All right. Brother Bishki, I have no clue. I have no <laughs> clue what's whatsoever where you're going. This is the son of Cronenberg. Uh, you know, to get out of <laughs> All hail the new flesh. <laughs> we get our implants. We get our body whore. We get our virtual reality. Um, but I was left with some questions. Which I, 
I guess we're kind of answered. I mean, I couldn't understand why she couldn't kill herself necessarily. That was mm. kind of one question I had. I couldn't understand why she was killing, like, I guess the, why she was killing in the most gratuitous way versus using her gun. I didn't, <laughs> like, you know, Voss, um, our girl Voss, we don't really know much about her other than she's just sure. a brutal knife butchering, you know, fire poking butcher knife <laughs> murdering psycho. Uh, and Jennifer Jason Lee is even more psycho. And why didn't she want to yeah. kill Jennifer Jason Lee after? Well, I guess I was a little confused. Jennifer Jason Lee, I thought, went into her brain and killed the child. But maybe the, she went into the child's brain. I, I thought she went into the child's brain. That's maybe she went into she the, was child's, in the brain. child's brain. I was confused. I read it differently in the Wikipedia <laughs> schnapps, but whatever. <laughs> it's confusing. All in all, though, it was kind of drowned out. In great music video style, ultra violence mm -hmm. synthesizers. We didn't talk about the score yeah. at all, which was pretty excellent throughout. Yeah. And um, lots of droney synths. I think Brandon's got considerable visual talent. Very impressed by the style of the whole movie. But I do think there's. I want to leave room for growth. Um, you know, he's he's born in 1980, 40 years old. He's a young filmmaker still. Uh, in terms of where he can head. And I want to leave room for growth. Um, I think there's some more interesting <laughs> films. Um, I think of like John Frankenheimer's Seconds, um, The Matrix, okay. Existence. These are films that I think are superior in the ideas department, but still, but mm. stylistically, I think Cronenberg's got, Brandon Cronenberg's got a hell of a lot of talent. I'm going to give him, Two and a half bones. He's learned a lot from his father, but he's got room to grow. Two and a half from Brother Bishke making a very hard point that he's leaving him some room yeah. to grow. Moving on to Brother Ben. I think I know. I think I think I see a gleam in the eye. <laughs> I, so when I was watching this movie, I was uh I was very aware of some of the deficiencies. Like some of it just wasn't. Some of it's a little too vague. Some of it's a little ponderous in places. But oh yeah, everything that we've been discussing, um, just handmade visual style, uh, just like a sense of space. Like one of the things that uh, we didn't discuss, but that I think Brandon does like his father is he's sort of documenting the architecture of Toronto yes. right now. And I think it's yep. going to be a fascinating time capsule of like, this is what 2020 looked like, or, or, or sort of like um, a vision of what Toronto in 2020 looked yeah, like. Yeah. Alt 2020 Toronto. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, so some of that I was just vibing with so hard and in the days, you know, it, I watched it maybe two days ago and I've been thinking about it multiple times a day. Hell like yeah. I can't get it out of my head. Um, yep. You, you got possessed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so with the caveat that it is far from a perfect movie, I, I, but it's maybe the, I, and I haven't seen a lot in 2020, but it's probably the sure. best 2020 movie I've seen thus far. Um, there you go. So I, I'm going to drop a three and a half bone. Yes, you will. Three yeah. and a half bones for Brother Ben. Yep. Nice. I saw that glimmer. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Brother Lucas, you saw some of this movie. Some of it you were hiding, but yeah. of, of no, what I, you I, saw. 
I was awake. I definitely stayed awake for this one. Uh, watched <laughs> in the dead of night. And uh, yeah, I missed antiviral. I think mainly because uh, the lead actor, Caleb Landry Jones, just kind of gives me the creeps. And like, I don't want to spend time with him like in any room. <laughs> Fair or, enough. L- let alone my living room. Um, <laughs> so I missed that. But I, I asked my BFF, uh, you know. The BFF. If- His report back was uh, it was slow and rather unpleasant. Um, BFF. <laughs> no, he's talking about he's talking about antiviral. Correct. Oh, correct. okay. All right. Correct. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So that was antiviral, which I did not see. But then, yeah, with this movie, the only awareness I had was uh, Mandy uh, star Andrea Riceboro on the cover, looking like she's still stuck in the movie Mandy, because um, the 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 one sheet <laughs> or the cover art for this is like her face kind of melting off that Christopher Abbott, I think then is wearing, I think. Yes. From the fourth salad dragon. But yeah, like, uh, listening to us talk about it tonight. Um, and like, yeah, me just completely like, I'm, I'm just like laughing maniacally over here because I'm like thinking back to like all these moments and it's like, yes, I did witness part of that. And it's like, Oh my God, they did film that. (laughs) Um, but like it was tough for me. Like it was it was bad sure. vibe central and and oh, for, yeah. tw- for 2020 like at the end of the year it's like we're after the election going into the holidays now. It's like, oh man, my <laughs> nerves are so frayed and I guess I'm like getting old now and like I can't take extreme levels of violence like snuff film level of violence where where yeah you're right like they don't die right away like in you know the movies we've seen the last 30 years like they're slowly getting like tortured to death with like a fire poker or like a knife well Uh, rest assured this is going to be at the extreme end of the spectrum of what we cover on this podcast so you've already been through what is probably going to be the worst but always leave room Yeah, you never know. But I like I like Brandon Cronenberg's ideas. Like I like his concept. Like I really think that it's like a great yeah, like Christopher Nolan, uh, like mutant hybrid. Like that meets David Cronenberg, his father, and then like it, and it is done on like a budget for scale and like has this like Toronto aesthetic or charm. You know, you, you could almost say it's student feature feature certified. Um, oh, I will not. I will oh, not certify that. because no, no. Think about it. Because like, like the the one uh, like bit of money they spent like is this chair that, that that these people like lie in to get like possessed and and there's this weird like chair that Jennifer Jason Lee like lies in that's like attached to it and it's like these pool chaise lounges but i don't know it just feels like i'm watching a college kind of like set like it just feels like (laughs) i'm not certifying that yeah i understand what you're saying but uncertified but but so you i'm taking like all these things into account but at the end of the day i I gotta give it one bone because it just it just it just hurt it just hurt too much lucas Didn't need, didn't need to see Andrea Riceboro's husband get hacked up with a meat cleaver and yeah, her son like murdered by her through him or whatever, or Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, it's just like, fuck, fuck off. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Lucas, to, to, piggy, to piggyback on that for a second, I do feel like one note Brandon can take from his father would just mm. be to perhaps 
inject a slight thread of dark humor into the proceedings to to add some yes. levity because yeah. like even Cronenberg, I mean I was laughing were you <laughs> I, I found it yeah. really really dark and uh yeah 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 I yeah, wasn't you, supposed it to felt, be. It felt to me, honestly, like it felt like it didn't really matter what the story was. It was just an excuse to have a platform for the violent set pieces, period. It was just like, this is what I care about. This is what we're going to spend time on. And everything else that happens, it happens. And cool, there's performances and there's editing and like cool effects. But like really what we're at the end of the day, like the hook we're hanging our hat on are, are these salad dragons. Like, like we're going to just deal them out like death cards on a battlefield. All right. One bone from LT. And yes, these salad dragons are the literal tent poles on which this tone poem resides. And there are five of them. That's a solid fucking tent. This movie, either you're in or you're out, to quote Heidi Klum, the great Heidi Klum. And if you are in the right mood, if you have smoked the right amount of ganja (laughs) and you know what you're getting into, you're going to be in fucking heaven. If you're a Cronenberg head and you are properly prepared for this, oh my God, it's it's going to be, like Ben said, it's, it's the continuation of that wonderful flavor that we all know and love, but it's updated for the brutality of 2020 Toronto. So <laughs> again, I would only recommend this to like us, Lucas, just to have a laugh about... And then I would recommend it to like a couple other people, but those people will love it enough to power a thousand suns, I feel like. So basically the vibe of it reminded me of High Life and the fuck box. If you guys remember <laughs> yeah. back to our high I, sl- I slept our, through the fuck box. <laughs> you slept through the fuck box infamously. Awake. But that is a double feature. If you go high life and possessor, <laughs> your brain will be crinkled, wrinkled, melted, and exploded. <laughs> and if if you are listening to me and you take that challenge, hit us up on Instagram and let us know you did, and we'll send you like a Barnes and Noble gift card or something. So remember when I used to fall asleep in a theater? Remember those days when like <laughs> that was an actual like topic that we would have to address and like I yes. the Kenny G music would come in. Hold on though. Yeah. I didn't hear I didn't hear bones from the Lodge Master. Three and one half bones from the Lodge Master. Boom. And that's nice. a solid three and a half. I was having a blast. I was feeling things I didn't think I could still feel while I was watching this. So proceed with caution. It's beyond your worst nightmare. Can I just do a quick poll? Since we're never probably going to end up talking about David Cronenberg again. Favorite David Cronenberg film. I'll give it to The Fly. I also highly recommend Maps to the Stars. I think it's very uh, underrated. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, Favorite Cronenberg film? Videodrome. It's Videodrome. Existent. Videodrome. (laughs) Videodrome. But also Dead Ringers and Crash. Yeah, I got to go Videodrome. Lucas? What's crazy is I have to say it's his adaptation of The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken. I've seen that movie oh, yeah. so many times, like more yeah. than I can count, honestly. Like, I, I, it's crazy to think about. It's a solid movie, definitely. Yeah. There are very so many good few ones. wrong answers to that question, Brother Bishke. No. That's a good point. What a body of work. <laughs> well, well, we'll continue to follow his offspring. <laughs> we'll see where he goes. I mean, I don't think he can get more extreme than this, but... 
Prove me wrong, Brandon. More sex, more <laughs> violence, Brandon. We all need that antiviral vaccine, right, guys? Yes. That's right. Bring it, yeah. Fauci. All right, boys. Well, it's been beautiful once again having you on and taking this crazy trip with us. Can't wait to see what our listeners uh, have to say about this movie if they brave it. <laughs> Love and light and long live the new flesh. Possessor! <laughs> It was a penetration of flesh.